want to invite you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 8. This summer, we've been looking at passages in the Gospel of Luke that help us to uncover our listening skills as followers of Jesus. How are we at being listeners of the Lord? Today, we're looking at the parable of the sower, and the title of the sermon today is Soundproof Souls, indicating the reality that there are times when we are unable to hear or receive the word of the Lord in our lives. Jesus tells a parable about farming to help his listeners understand the conditions by which a soul or a heart becomes unable to receive from him. And there are conditions also where a seed of the word is planted deep and flourishes. It's a pretty straightforward story about farming, about sowing seeds. You've probably heard it many times. But listen again to the parable of the sower with fresh ears. See what the Lord is going to lay on your heart today from the story. Luke 8, beginning with verse 4. While a large large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Let's pray. God, may your word go forth today in this place. And may it find good and prepared souls that it might go deep and grow in our lives and bear fruit. Lord, we know that your voice is what we long to hear. So find us where we are and plant your seed. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. So in this parable of the sower, the seed, as you heard, is scattered on all kinds of landscapes, paths, rocks, weeds, soil that has been prepared for seeds. The story reads, I think, as we would expect it to read. There are no surprises here where the seed grows and where it doesn't. Makes sense. You don't have to be a farmer to know that this story rings true. In our family, I wouldn't call us exactly green thumbs. I think I have a lot to learn from the children here today on how to plant things. But the girls and I plant a few flower seeds each spring just to watch them grow. But that's really about all we do when it comes to sowing seeds and planting. This spring, however, we decided to extend the perimeter of our lawn a little bit in the front. And so we bought a bag of grass seed. We read the directions very carefully and did everything that we were supposed to do. And in about two weeks, the grass started to appear. It was a fairly simple process. As long as we raked and softened the ground, covered the seeds with soil, and then watered it regularly, the seeds sprouted exactly as the bag said they would. We were careful to prepare the soil. It wasn't hard to do, but it took time and it took some intentionality. But I must say, as I read the parable of the sower this time, there is a small perplexing element in this story for me. And it's not in the result of what grows and what doesn't. It's in the process of the sowing of the seed. My attention on this reading of the parable is drawn to the farmer himself. And here is my question today. 
Why is the farmer scattering seed in places that won't be able to receive the seed? Why would he scatter the seed where it won't grow? It seems like a waste of seed and a waste of energy. When we seeded our lawn, we did not waste a single seed on places that it wasn't going to grow. We didn't throw it in the rocks. We didn't throw it in the bushes. We didn't dump it on the driveway or on the sidewalks. So in this parable, is it merely happenstance that the seed just happens to fall in these places? Or is it an intentional scattering into those places? And at this point, on hearing this story that Jesus tells, I don't really know from just hearing this story. I'm just merely curious about that. But the story is over, it seems. Jesus is done with his parable. Thankfully, the story has also stirred some curiosity in the disciples. And so like me, they aren't quite finished with the story either. And so we get verse 9. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. Chapter 8 of Luke suddenly gets longer. Because the disciples ask for more from the story, we get more. The disciples have been around Jesus long enough at this point to know that when Jesus tells a story, there's probably more going on than just what he tells the crowd. And so up to this point in Luke 8, as we've watched the disciples, they've, they've watched Jesus heal, they've heard him teach and tell stories. Up to this moment, they've mostly been observers, just watching, listening. But at last, in this moment, after hearing this story, they ask a question. What does it mean? They are moving from being observers to those desiring understanding and interpretation. Does it mean something? Tell us what this story means. They ask a question and they get more. And Jesus says, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. The disciples in chapter eight have developed ears to hear. So let's see how Jesus answers them. Verse 10, Jesus said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. So what does it mean, Jesus? Jesus affirms their question, affirms their inquiry, and then he answers their question. And the text doesn't say this, but I have a feeling that he smiled when they asked that question. Jesus first affirms that something has changed in them. They have been given something important, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God. In Matthew's version, Jesus adds, blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. Something has happened to these men. 
and they are beginning to recognize the sights and the sounds of the kingdom. Jesus also tells them that unlike the curious disciples, others, in this case the crowd, only heard a story being told. They weren't hungry at this point for more. The seed has fallen on them, but it doesn't take root. The parable is actually playing itself out in this moment. Jesus then gives them a reference to Isaiah 6. You heard that, which is a really important story about hearing. We'll come back to that in a moment. And then he finally gives them the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. It's scattered about. Different soils receive it in different ways. For three out of the four soils, the word cannot take root and cannot grow. In the soil that has been prepared for the word, the seed flourishes. So today we gather, like we do every Sunday, to hear and receive the word of God. It's spoken in our, in our worship time from the scriptures. It is sung, it is prayed, it is preached. We are here to receive a word from the Lord, his word. But according to the parable, when God's word goes forth, the result can initially seem a little dismal. Is the parable saying that only one out of four of us today will actually hear the word and be responsive? The rest of us will hear it, but it will either be snatched away by the devil, it will not grow roots, or we will immediately leave this place and go back to our old ways, worrying about life and wealth and our own pleasure, and the seed will get choked. I don't know about you, but I want to live in that fourth soil. I want to be a place of flourishing and growth. I want to be that tree that the choir just sang about from Psalm 1 that grows and blossoms. But do I have ears to hear? Is my heart prepared to hear what God is saying to me in this moment? Are we as a church prepared to hear God's word and what he's saying to us? Are we able to receive it, to retain it, as Jesus said, and then to persevere in obedience to what we hear? I think on first reading of this meaning of the parable that Jesus gives to the disciples, the parable presents us with perhaps a diagnostic tool for our own hearts. It gives us a concrete language to think about our hearts and our lives. So in reflecting on that, one might say, I'm, I'm kind of hard-hearted today. I'm struggling with obeying the word of God. I'm kind of like the hard path. That's where I am today. Or today I would say I'm rocky. There's a lot of things going on in my life, and I'm not sure I give priority right now to the word of God. Or perhaps I'm in a place of deep worry or I'm pursuing my own comfort, uh, my own well-being. Or some of us might say, I really think I'm flourishing in my faith. And here's why. I think this parable helps us with understanding our own hearts, kind of like Kathy talked about with the, ch with the children. I think it's really helpful to take a moment and stop and just think about and reflect on our hearts and our engagement with the word of God. Here's the kind of soil I think I am and here's why. And here's where I would like to be. I want to be the good soil. I think simply using these soils as a place to reflect can help us start a healthy conversation with one another about where we're at in our faith. When Mark writes his version of Jesus telling this parable, he adds these words that Jesus says to the disciples, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand any of the parables? He indicates that this parable is primary for unlocking all other parables, that we start with this one. And so maybe we start with a simple reflection on our own hearts. What kind of soil are we today? Rocky, thorny, 
path good. And I'll give you a hint. It's very likely that you are more than one type of soil. But in your mind, just think, what, what, where would you tag yourself today? Rocky, thorny, good, or like the path? So having done that together in your minds, I want to offer three short reflections on this parable. Um, I think these reflections can help us move from considering what kind of soil we are to receiving this parable as a story which expands our imagination and understanding regarding God and his kingdom. So I want to go back to my earlier question, my place of curiosity. Does the farmer scatter the seed in all four soils intentionally, or does that just happen because the process of scattering is not very precise? In other words, is the farmer's main goal only to scatter seed on good soil? Three reflections. First, I'm going to suggest from the text in Luke 8 that when God scatters the seed of his word, it goes forth abundantly and everywhere to all soils on purpose. As the crowd gathers to hear Jesus, Jesus speaks to everyone, everyone gathered. He is the farmer in this story, the sower. His message pours forth on the entire crowd. Regardless of who is there for what reasons, the message is heard by all. Isaiah the prophet tells us that God pours out his word abundantly, that God God is not concerned about being efficient when it comes to his word going forth. He doesn't need to be careful. Unlike my limited bag of grass seed, God's seed supply is not limited. His love is not finite. His grace is more than sufficient for a world in need of his care. The seed doesn't just land on the good soil that is ready and prepared for responsiveness, it goes everywhere, and that's not an accident. God pours out his word on all types of dirt, and that's really good news for us, for all of us today. If you are not in a great place today, if you are feeling resistant, unlovable, maybe you've come in this morning knowing that you've blown it again, If your soul feels soundproof, no matter what the reason, God's word still comes to you today abundantly. It is poured on each of us. Jesus quotes Isaiah 6 to the disciples, and he's bringing up a story in Isaiah that we studied last year. You might remember it. When Isaiah was commissioned to take the word of God to the people of God, God told him that the people would not listen, would not be responsive, would not obey, and yet God still sends him forth and says, take my word to my people. God's faithfulness to his people, to you, to us, is not based on whether you are faithful or not. It is unending, an unending gift being poured out in your life all the time. God's word is abundantly given to you, to us, to this world. You know, as I think about our world, and as I grieve as you do, over the destruction that takes place daily on a global level, this parable gives me hope. It reminds me that God's life and word are being poured out in all spaces at all times. Our world is in much trouble, is in much pain indeed, but God has not abandoned it. God pours out his life over and over again that all might hear, that all might be saved. 
So I ask you, how does that truth inform the way that you wake up in the morning? How does God's abundant giving of his word affect the way that you go to work, the way you love your kids and grandkids, the way you share Jesus with others? Before we even show up in the world, God is pouring out his life-giving word everywhere. As those called to share the message of Christ and to share our lives with others, we don't just do that when the conditions feel right. It's a way of life for us. We give, we pour out, we share the good news. So how do we become able to receive the word of God that is being poured out on us so we can share it? What does it mean to be good soil? Reflection number two, simple questions lead to deep roots. The disciples' response in this chapter to this story is instructive for us. They become our guides in this story today. And all they do is they ask a simple question of Jesus. What does it mean? This is a pivotal parable for the disciples. This is their moment of moving into deeper relationship with the Lord. They are becoming responsive, curious, and desiring deeper engagement. How about you? Are you still curious about your faith, about Jesus? Do you find yourself asking more questions than giving answers? What what do you wonder about? What do you delight in? Do you find delight in the unknown and see it as an opportunity to sit with Jesus and engage in that space? Does God's word stir your heart and imagination towards the questions of your life? Do you see yourself as a lifelong learner, an apprentice of Jesus? Sometimes I think we get stuck. We stop learning. Our delight and our wonder diminish. Maybe one of the most life-giving things that you can do this week or next week is try something new to open up new pathways in your heart and mind that nurture a growth mentality for you. What if something that you've been wanting to learn about or something you've been wanting to learn to do but you just haven't found the time to do it? I have a good friend who's learning the Korean language right now for the first time, she's Korean. Another friend who's taking piano lessons for the first time in his 40s. When my mom picks up our kids from school, she asks one simple question of them, what did you learn today? And they cannot get out of the car until they answer that question. (laughs) So every morning they ask me, who's picking us up today? (laughs) What about you? How are you nurturing a learning posture in your life? Many of you know I'm studying at Fuller right now, and I was there last week for my studies. And at the end of each of our days together, our cohort together, we were to go home and just write about four things. Um, Four words, inspire, inquire, irk, require. So inspire, what inspired me today? What stood out positively in what I learned? Inquire, what questions were raised for me? What troubled me today or created dissonance? What did I disagree with and require? What changes are being required of me? This is a great exercise to just cultivate responsiveness. You can answer these questions based on any, any kind of experience, teaching, your reflection on scripture. They frame a learner's posture at the end of each day. They help me engage and go deeper. Jesus, what does this mean? 
Perhaps moving from barren soil to good soil begins simply by articulating the questions that you carry and bringing them to Jesus. What does it mean, Jesus? My final reflection today is simply a question for you. Have you heard anything from the Lord today? Has the Lord spoken to you about something? Has he given you a word? If so, write it down. Go back to it later today. Journal about it. Ask the Lord, what does this mean? This, this, this thing that you've told me today. Maybe it will be important for you to share that with somebody. Let them know what you're hearing from God and what, you, what questions you're asking about it. If you're in a small group, make a practice of sharing with each other what you're hearing from the Lord and what questions you are asking. If you're a leader of a small group, nurture an environment of question asking more than answer giving. You can use the inspire, inquire, irk, or require pattern with your group. That will help you get into that kind of responsiveness. I think the parable teaches us that we grow when we encounter the end of our own answers and competencies. And we go to Jesus with our inquiries and our questions. Jesus, who is always speaking to us. So what did you hear from the Lord today? And what questions are stirring in your soul? Could it be that the Lord longs to hear your questions, to hear your stirrings, your unknowns, so he can lead you into greener pastures and into lifelong flourishing? What does it mean Jesus, what does it mean? We're going to end our time today singing one of the great hymns of faith, and interestingly, it begins with a question, a question that leads us to amazement and wonder and gratitude for who God is. Let's pray together. Lord, could it be that you care for each of us could it be that your word surrounds us and wakes us up to you and fills us with a love that never ends? May we open ourselves to you this day and every day. Lord, we thank you for your amazing love, your life-giving word that is abundantly poured out in our lives day after day. In the name of Christ we pray, amen.